Welcome back again. I, I want to tell you about two sisters. They're named Corey and Betsy. And they spent the year of 1944 almost entirely together. Um, but it wasn't in their hometown of Harlem in the Netherlands. No, they spent the year north of Berlin, Germany. On February 28, 1944, Corey and Betsy, they were arrested by the Nazis along with 33 other people arrested in their home um, because over the past few years, their home and, and they, had, they had smuggled an estimated 800 Jewish people to safety away from the Nazi empire. Now, Corey and Betsy, in 1944, they were in a place called Ravensbrück, a concentration camp. And as if that weren't bad enough and it was bad enough, for sure. If that weren't bad enough, their barracks, it was infested with fleas. They were already sleeping in rotting straw, but now it was infested with horrible fleas. And Corey, she said to her sister when they got there, Betsy, how can we live in a place like this? And Betsy remembered a Bible passage that they had read that very morning because they were able to smuggle in a really small Bible into the camp. And that passage that Betsy remembered, it said, Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Betsy said to Corey, That's it. That's how we can live in a place like this, by being thankful in all circumstances. And so they prayed together. They said, Thank you that they were together. And thank you, God, for the Bible that they were able to bring in that didn't get confiscated. They said, Thank you that all the women in their barracks were just stuffed together in there like sardines. Thank you for them all being close together because that way it would be easier for more people to hear the good news about Jesus. And then Betsy said, God, thank you for the fleas. And Corey couldn't take it. She, she stopped. She, she stopped in the middle of the prayer and said, Betsy, Betsy, there's no way that even God can make me thankful for a flea. But Betsy insisted. And so they said, thank you, even for the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad fleas. And as the weeks and months war on, they're still together in that barracks, in that concentration camp. A weird thing happened. No guards ever came into the sleeping quarters of the barracks, which was the, the biggest room where the most women were. No, no guards ever came in. So the result of this, the women were not assaulted. And they were able also to have regular worship and Bible study and prayer meetings in the heart of a Nazi concentration camp. And this fact that no guards ever came in, it, it confounded them for a long time. But then one day, they found out why. And maybe your wheels are turning. It was the fleas. The fleas were the reason they had all this freedom. Because the guards, the guards refused to go into that part of the barracks because it was the worst. The fleas were so bad, even the guards shirked their duty to stay out of there. So, were the fleas bad? Or were they good? You could call the fleas, really, a silent gift. Completely unexpected. And their presence, it didn't really 
look like a gift. Like, who would ask for such a thing? Who would ask for fleas infesting rotting straw that you sleep on? Um, Corey thought the fleas were bad, but they turned out to be very, very, very good. And that's what God does. He brings good out of bad. Now, there's no guarantee that we'll ever see it. Like, Corey and Betsy, they realized why they had such freedom. It was because of the fleas. But even if they had never realized that the fleas were such a gift, it still, it still would have been a gift. The fleas still would have been the thing that God used to keep them safe and give them the ability to worship openly. It still would have been the fleas. They still would have been a gift, even if Corey and Betsy didn't realize it. And it's the same with us. We might never see these gifts. They might be completely silent, but they are gifts nonetheless. Now, we're looking at another prophecy from Isaiah today, and I want to just make this extremely simple. God makes good out of bad. And I put bad in air quotes there because here's something to chew on. If God makes good out of it, was the bad thing really bad in the first place? Here's Isaiah chapter 11. Verse 1 says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. I got to pause there. I promise I'll read the rest of it. This is the bad. Now, the guy was named Jesse, and we don't know much about Jesse, except that he was the father of David, who was the second king of Israel, probably the most famous king of Israel. This is the David from David and Goliath. And God promised David that his family tree would rule Israel. And for a while, it did. And it was beautiful. You could say it was a beautifully flowering, fruit-producing family tree. But the further that David's ancestors, the further out the tree got from David, the more rotten the tree became and the further from David's faith they grew. And even even though God warned the kings and the rest of David's family over and over and over and over again for hundreds of years, through all different prophets, they just kept on doing horribly evil things. They just did whatever they wanted. So, God finally basically said, okay, your tree is going to be cut down. And so God swung his axe in the form of the empire of Babylon. Babylon conquered Jerusalem, stole the citizens, burned the city, and David's family tree was chopped down. The only thing that remained was a stump. And usually the only thing you do with a stump is just get someone to dig it out of the ground and get rid of it completely because there's no use for it. It's just dead and bad. But God said here in verse 1, from the stump of Jesse, a shoot. And now I'm letting the cat out of the bag here. The shoot is Jesus. And the whole rest of this section, verses 2 through 10, they are all about Jesus and what he'll do and the results of what he did. And the results are so good. And they all come out of this bad, this stump of Jesse that was cut down. Here's the rest of the section. About Jesus, remember. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. 
He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. Doesn't that just seem ridiculous for me to even say out loud things like wolves and lambs being friends and hanging out together? That doesn't happen. Things like a calf and a lion walking around together, shooting the breeze like, you know, they're walking on leashes held by a four-year-old and they're just following along obediently. That's crazy. Like instead of pet dogs and cats and fish, two-year-olds, they have pet cobras and vipers. It seems ridiculous. It seems ridiculous, kind of like it's ridiculous that to say God came to earth and was born in a manger. Or how it's kind of ridiculous to say God died on a cross. Or it's ridiculous for God to say, I'll take the guilt. I'll take the guilt of everything you've ever done wrong. It's ridiculous. But it is the promise. And Isaiah finishes up here. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, that's Jesus, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him as a place of safety, and his resting place will be glorious. That's God's word. And I want it to be super simple. God brings good out of bad. Always. It's what he did in Isaiah 11. It's what Isaiah prophesied. It's what he always does. Now, let's say that I asked you to write down in two columns, good things in my life and what's bad in my life. You would have things in both columns, including bad things. And, and that's okay. It's a good, it's an okay thing to look at a situation and say, yeah, this does not appear to be good. It appears to be bad. But don't get caught up in the bad. Don't make judgments based simply on what something appears to be. Don't make judgments simply on what you see. One of the things that made Jesus Jesus was that he didn't do that. He saw and understood things perfectly. Isaiah said Jesus would judge not by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. He said, but with righteousness he will judge. With justice, true justice, he will give decisions. We can't judge simply by what we see or hear because we don't see or hear the whole picture. It'd be, like, it'd be like this. 
if you went and lifted some weights and you lifted to exhaustion until you couldn't lift anymore and, and you expect it to feel amazing because you've heard that it's a really good thing for you to exercise and lift weights and it's good. So you expect it to feel good. But then the next day you're sore and you're thinking, what, what in the world? You get concerned because you feel so crummy. But see, you didn't, you didn't see the whole picture. Because later you find out that you're sore because your muscles worked and they actually got um, torn apart a little bit, but that's necessary. And the soreness means that your muscles are actually healing and coming back stronger. But if you didn't know that and you worked out and then you were sore, you would think, well, what good is this? This is just bad. It's supposed to be good for me, but it made me hurt. We can't judge simply by what we see or here. So don't get caught up in what looks like bad right now. And here we are, December 13th, 2020, uh, and we're all online. There's no one gathering in person at a Lumen Church today. And this is almost nine months to the day after our, our very last pre-pandemic in-person worship gathering. How do you feel about that? The fact that we're all online, that no one is in person because of this virus going through the world. How do you feel about it? I think a better question is this. What good is God going to bring from this circumstance, from this bad? That's the question. And that's really an unanswerable question but the answer is definitely something good because that's what God always does. Freedom, Bible study, worship out of fleas. Savior out of a stump, out of a long line of horrible kings and horrible people. Forgiveness and life out of the crucifixion and death of that Savior out of his mother standing at the foot of the cross mourning what was happening to him. Can you, it doesn't matter if you're a mother or not. Can you imagine that? And out of that, forgiveness and life and peace and joy and hope for you and for me. And all of those gifts, good out of the bad, they last forever. Now, this is not, hear me loud and clear here, this is not me saying good things are going to be coming to you in 2021, good out of the bad, life's going to take a turn and it's going to be great, it's going to be wonderful. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that God knows what is best for you. And in the grand scheme of eternity, what is best for you is always going to happen. And this is the hard part, what that might mean it might mean that your entire life here on earth is difficulty and struggle and heartache. That could be. It could appear to all be bad. But who knows? That bad, it might be keeping you. It might be the thing that is keeping you trusting in God instead of anything else. It might be what's keeping you clinging to God as your hope. Maybe if he gave us what we think we need, what we think would be good, maybe if he gave that to us, we'd stop trusting in him because we, we think we wouldn't really need him anymore. I don't know. But God always brings good out of 
the bad. So praise God for the good and praise God for the bad. Because to him, it's the same in the sense that it's all always part of his plan. Nothing happens that surprises God. Everything that happens fits in his plan for you and for the world for now and for forever. And if God, if God can bring the savior of the world and the savior for you and me out of the stump of a family tree, if he can bring forgiveness and eternal life out of execution by crucifixion, if he can bring safety and people converting to Christianity and having their eternities changed, if he can bring that out of a bunch of fleas in the heart of the Ravensbrook concentration camp, what good, what good is God going to make happen out of whatever is your bad right now? I don't know exactly. But ultimately, God brings good out of the bad. It's what he does all the time. He's proven it to us over and over again. Amen.